Good morning. Good morning. It is good to see you all this morning. If you are one of our guests, welcome to Conroe Bible Church. We're glad that you're with us. I have a few announcements that I would like to pass your way, um, and then we will get started with our time of worship. This week is a busy week. There's stuff almost every night at least starting Wednesday. Starting Wednesday, um, there is a, uh, our, our CBC Kids Ministry is hosting a family parking lot party um, where you are welcome to come and bring your kiddos. And what I heard this morning from, from Adam is uh, your kids need to bring things to ride on. So bikes or scooters or siblings. <laughs> siblings, that would all work parents, dads with good backs, all of that stuff would work. The next night, Thursday, um, our, our women and men's Bible studies are continuing, and our women's ministry just started a new book study last week, and so it's not too late to get signed up to be a part of that. Um, the following night, the 17th, is game night up here at 6.30. You can come and play board games and, and uh, enjoy fellowship with one another. And then the next day, Saturday morning, our women's ministry does encourage her at Debbie Call's house at 10 a.m. Um, so all of that's going on this week. So be sure um, and check out Church Center or the website um, to find out more details about those things if you would like to be involved. Otherwise, let's stand together and we'll begin our time of worship. Cheers. 
I'm no longer a slave 
worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you.
promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Father, we thank you for being one who makes a way for us. We thank you for loving us, for the life that you give us through your son. We ask that you would be with us now. Make us more like Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. And if you're one of our kiddos, K through 5, you can be dismissed to kids worship. American Christians are torn when it comes to privacy and being known. We know, especially as Christians, that uh, we are designed for intimacy, to be fully known and fully loved. We also know that uh, as individuals in this country, we would like some sort of control over who knows what about us. Is that true? Gwen and I were uh, discussing last Tuesday night uh, about a uh, shelving unit that we would like to purchase for our home. It was a specific height, a specific number of shelves. It was a metal shelving unit. And a couple of minutes later, she opened up Instagram, and sure enough, there was an ad from Amazon for that exact shelving unit. Our phones know who we are, don't they? They track us and, and uh, are fully aware of us. On top of that, researchers tell us that uh, we are covered by at least 70 cameras a day, not including all the scads of traffic cameras that you see at intersections and along uh, the highway. And so I don't know what that does to your blood pressure, but I'm not happy about all that. And, uh, and then there are those who would tell us that uh, every digital interaction that we have, whether it's uh, a Skype, face, uh, Facebook post, uh, email, text, everything has been copied and stored in a permanent record. There are some that would assert that. And so at best, that leaves us frustrated and at worst, it makes us angry. We, or at least me, I don't care to be known that fully by retailers and by Big Brother and, and all of that. Uh, but there is someone who does know everything about us and from whom we can conceal nothing, no matter how many hacks you may know about covering your trail. Uh, electronically or, or with technology. And of course, that person is our Lord Jesus Christ. That person is God. David, King David of Israel, a psalmist, uh, wrote several psalms regarding the majesty of God, but Psalm 139 in particular covers God's majesty in regard to his personal relationship with us. So I'm going to invite you to turn to Psalm 139 with me. And he's going to answer the question for us because he asked the question, how well does God know us? 
And, and then he answers it with these first six verses, and he just says, thoroughly. That's how well God knows us. He knows us thoroughly. And, and then he shows us how to respond to that in verse 6, to respond with praise. But it's interesting, as you go through these verses, you may have different reactions. You may have a reaction of anger or anxiety. You may want to run and hide when you realize what the living God knows about us. But the truth is, the one who knows us best is the living God. We are told that he is all-knowing. And theologians have given us the term that he is omniscient, literally all-knowing that he knows everything effortlessly. He knows it immediately. He knows it naturally. He doesn't have to think about it or look for or research. God knows everything. And so he knows our actions, our attitudes, our words, our thoughts. And, and that's what David uncovers for us here. And so we have to be confronted with that. And it either leads us draws us to worship him more because of his majesty, or it makes us want to run and hide. I think that most of us will respond in love when we recognize how much God cares for us, because that's ultimately the result of him knowing us. He knows us, and that's not bad news. That is good news, because he knows us thoroughly inside and out. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he still lavishes grace upon us. And that's a fantastic thing. So we're going to get a glorious look at God through Psalm 139. And like most psalms, it's written as poetry and the, the lyrics of which became lyrics for a, a song in which the community would sing when they gathered together uh, in, in the synagogue and, and uh, other places as followers and fearers of God. And so David gives us this, and it's a psalm that extols and glorifies God. If we're going to use the technical term, it's a descriptive psalm of praise, because he's going to lay out reasons to praise God. We're just going to look at the six, first six verses today, but he does that, and it's in four sections of six verses each. In each section, David looks at a different part of the majesty of God. We're going to look at his omniscience in verses 1 to 6. The psalm opens with a declaration regard to God's knowledge of each of us. And this is what I would say about verse 1, that we are thoroughly known by God. Thoroughly known. God knows all things naturally and effortlessly. He doesn't need to work to find out more. And he knows us fully, completely, and immediately. So David expresses this truth in adoration in verse 1. He's not going to give us a, a doctrinal treatise, if you will. He's not trying to give us factual clarity. This is just an expression of praise and adoration. This is what he says in verse 1. Oh, Lord, I just love even that address to the Lord. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Search is a strong word here, which means to examine with great pain and great care. It means to take your time. The word literally means to dig. And so it was used in, in this time period of David's writing for digging a mine. 
And you can see how that would make sense, right? When we dig a mine, we take great pains and great care to try and discover any vein of precious metal. It was used of exploring a land. So you could see how someone would go through the land and as, as a pioneer and, and take great pains and care to discover trails and pathways and habitats. It was used for investigating legal cases. And so you can see how a person would take great pains and care to understand all the facts and how they line up to build a case. David uses that word to show us how intimately and how penetratingly God knows us. He's taking great pains and care to know us inside and out. The term speaks to the extent of what God knows about each of us. And his knowledge penetrates to hearts. And, and so I want to look at a couple of Old Testament passages that give us a little more insight and, and stretch our thinking and a little bit clearer on what God knows about us. So the first one we're going to look at is 1 Samuel 16, 7. You recall Samuel is with Jesse and he's looking at the sons of, of Jesse to see which one's going to be the king to replace Saul. And Samuel says it must be the oldest. He's the oldest. He's the smartest. He's the best looking. He's the tallest. And, and the Lord says to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So one thing we can say is that the Lord knows our hearts. And of course, that deals with motives and attitudes and intentions and desires. The Lord knows that. I mean, we know that in uh, the New Testament, David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. Every close relationship between two people as it grows, grows at the heart level. So it's a wonderful thing that God knows our hearts. Hebrews 4 gives us a little more insight into what God knows. This is what he, uh, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4, verse 13. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That's a little frightening, isn't it? With whom we have to do. There's a sense of accountability when it comes to God knowing us. And what the writer of Hebrews there under the guidance of the Holy Spirit says is that we are laid bare before him. We are completely vulnerable to God. So there is no way to hide. There is no escape from his penetrating gaze. God knows everything about us. And of course, search as there are other words in here in, in this psalm, anytime David tries to give us insight into what God is like and what he does, he has to use human terms, right? So it's an anthropomorphic image here that God searches. God doesn't have to search, but that's how we can best understand the penetrating extent of his knowledge. God's described in human terms so we can begin to grasp his care for us. God doesn't need a table of contents. He doesn't need an index. He doesn't need a finder. God just knows. He doesn't have to search. He knows everything about us. Now let's consider the omniscience of God before we go on. What does he know? Let's think of it in three categories. God's knowledge is vast, specific, and personal. 
God's knowledge is vast. I, honestly, it's beyond comprehension, especially when we think about creation of the universe, right? Well, here's what Isaiah says in, verse, in, in chapter 40, a great passage that extols the greatness of God. He says this, and he's quoting the Lord, To whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads us, leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Isn't it incredible just to go out to the, and look at the sky out in the country, away from the city lights, and just to be overwhelmed with the number of stars that are there. And we are told that God in his majesty and his power created all these stars. And with his omniscience, he named them and he knows them all by name. Now, we're told that we can recall about 5,000 faces. And if we're really good, we might remember two or 3,000 names that go with those faces. But we can only have a, a, a meaningful relationship with about 150 people at a time. And certainly that's not a very close relationship. But we're told here that with the billions of stars in the universe, that God knows them by name. That's incredible. That's incredible knowledge that he has. His knowledge is vast and it's beyond comprehension. Not only is his knowledge vast, but it is specific, even to the least detail, the most minute detail. In Matthew 10, Jesus tells us about God's knowledge of the sparrow. He even tells us how much that sparrow is worth. It's about one sixteenth of a day's wage. So it's not something that's high and mighty. It's not something that everyone is looking out for, but God is. We're told that when the sparrow falls to the ground, God is fully aware. And then he goes on to say that we're even more valuable, that he knows the number of hairs on our head and that he cares for us. God is specific down to the least detail. And that gives us hope especially when we're feeling alone and overwhelmed by circumstances or crushed by what's going on in life, that the Lord is fully aware of everything that is going on down to the minute detail. He knows everything about us and he is fully attentive to us. And, and God's knowledge is not just so that he can win trivia games at a restaurant. His knowledge is personal and it's attentive. He knows us. And he cares for us. And that's what we see in these next four verses in, in Psalm 139, verses 2 to 5. We never go unnoticed by God. He cares enough to look our way, to know us. We live in a world which depersonalizes us, dehumanizes us at every turn. And sometimes would push us to the side. And even if you're on social media and you have all kinds of friends, sometimes you feel all alone there. But we are known by God. We never go unnoticed by God. He is familiar with our everyday lives. He knows everything that we are doing at all times. So again, that might be comforting. That might be a little scary to think about God knowing exactly what we're doing and thinking. At all, the t at all times, we are never overlooked by God. David records in 
verses 2 and 3, that God knows our thoughts, our activities, our motives, our desires. He knows us well. Have you ever had someone that, that knew you well, that you were fully known by? I think it's a great thing when it comes to health providers. You know, you build a relationship with a doctor or a dentist, an endodontist. Uh, in fact, Gwen and I were bemoaning recently that, uh, you know, in, in those three categories, we've all had uh, people retire. And these were people that knew us so well. It's so nice to walk in and, and not have to fill out all the forms that give a little bit of context for your life to a new doctor or dentist, but to go with somebody that knows you and they know what your tendencies are and whether that's an allergy or a cold virus or whether you're susceptible to rashes or not. You know, just people that, that know you. That's what David's trying to point us to as he, as he reminds us that God is aware of all that's going on. This isn't just factual data, and I think that's why David is moved to praise here, and that's why he's relating it to us in this song. He wants us to know how comforting it is to be known by God, to have someone that cares for us that way. Verses give us confidence in God's guidance and care for us. The first thing we see in verses 2 and 3 is that God knows our actions and our motives. He knows whether we're resting or we're active. Verse 2, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. Poetry has a lot of figures of speech, and so one of the ones that he's going to use here, and he uses in many of the Psalms, is called mirrorism. And that's where you take two polar opposites, and you mention my sitting down, my rising up. And you mention them both, and it means everything in between. So what he's telling us is whether I am getting ready to sit down and have a meal or lay down and go to sleep or whether I am getting up to go to work, God is aware of everything that I'm going, that I'm going on. And he's aware of my thoughts and my motives. God is fully aware. Our hearts are laid bare to him. He knows things, the least minute detail of which. He knows your motives for why you got dressed, what you wore today. Might have been the only clean thing in your closet. Maybe that's why you chose it. Might have been somebody that somebody gifted it with you and, and you thought, I'm going to wear that because I'm going to see them today. It might be that you just enjoy that color and you wanted to wear it. Or it's something fresh for this season that you wanted to wear. Whatever the reason, God is fully aware, even to the least minute detail, because his knowledge is specific. And he knows our thoughts from afar. He knows us better than we know ourselves. In verse 3, David continues to point us toward God's awareness of our activities. He knows our full day. This is what he says. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. We go out in the day to journey and we lay down at night. So David has used these, this mirrorism again. He's brought together two polar opposites to show that the full day is covered. All of our routines, all of our plans, everything is known by God. I think that's a great reason 
just to follow through on praying about everything, never cease in our praying. That as we go through the day, God knows what we're about to do, who we're going to meet with, how we're going to handle the situation, and just to stay in touch with him, to talk continually with him about it and whatever need that we have. The word scrutinize, again, is a human term. It's a term that actually refers to sifting or winnowing. And I like that because it gives us, again, in human terms, an understanding of what God knows. He doesn't just know that we get up in the morning and we go out and we go to work or we go to school or we go see our friends. No, he knows everything that's going on in our hearts and minds at that time. And I think that's why, like in Philippians 4, that we are told by Jesus that he will guard our hearts and our minds. He will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding because he knows what we are experiencing. And he's aware and he's personal and he's attentive to our ways. He's acquainted with all of our ways. So again, this that's just mind blowing, isn't it? If we think about God knowing all things at once. Uh, let me just use a little bit of an example. Let's say if we took just a hundred people from the sanctuary today and we followed you around with a drone just for one day and we captured everything you did and everything you said and all the people you met with. Now it's getting creepy, right? <laughs> and then we put all that on monitors and, and then we just watched all of that and we have some indication of what you do and who you meet with and, and what your day is like. But even at that, we don't know your dreams and your desires. We don't know what really brings you joy and what you're just gritting your teeth to get through. And then just think about if we wanted to monitor that, how many, how many monitors would it take for us to watch 100 people at a time? Or could we? Could we just watch five people at a time or 10 people at a time or 15 people at a time? It shows you how limited we are. And yet God... God knows our ways. He knows your ways. He knows your children's ways. He knows your parents' ways completely and fully and immediately. That's the first thing we see is that God knows our ways and our motives. The second thing we see in verse 4 is that God is a, a personal God who knows our thoughts. David wrote this in verse 4, Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. This is perhaps the greatest proof of God's omniscience. Because even if we follow you with a drone, we're not going to know your thoughts. In fact, you are not going to know your thoughts before you speak them. I always enjoy talking to people that talk first before they think, because you can just watch their eyes. You know, they're curious to see what they're going to say. And then if it really comes out well, then they're like, wow, that's, you know, surprise shows up and that's really cool. And, and, and then there are those that are just like, no, that kind of flattened out on me. <laughs> God knows what we're going to say before we say it. That's all knowing. That's omniscience. And thankfully, he doesn't use that against us. The greatest proof of omniscience. He is attentive to all we do. The Apostle John put it this way in, in 1 John chapter 3, that God is greater than our heart and knows all things. We can take that to the bank. We never go unnoticed because God is fully aware of us. He knows us inside and out. 
even in a long-term relationship with a spouse or with a good friend, we still learn things about each other as we go along. God never learns anything new about us. He never discovers anything. He knows. So does that make you feel anxious or angry? Or do you want to hide? There is still more that God does because we don't go unnoticed by God. We are fully known by him. And this is what we see thirdly in verse 5. God knows our life from beginning to end. In verse 5, we see how much God cares about us. This is what David wrote as he's just responding in, in adoration and in praise. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. The Lord has cupped his hand around David. He has cupped his hand around us. And it's a word picture of surrounding us with care, with protection, with looking out for us. And then he says, you are before me and behind me and you are present with me. You lay your hand on me. And I think it is fair to look at that in terms of our past, our present and our future. He, he is behind us and he knows our past. He knows our scars. We are wounded people, broken people in a broken world. And God knows how you have been hurt. He knows what has gone on in your past. And when we turn to him, we find healing. We find redemption. We find comfort. We find strength to be able to minister to others in the same way. God is behind us. We also read that God is laying his hand upon us. I take that to mean presently. And in the present, I would apply it this way, that he knows your sin. So there's no use trying to hide your sin. In fact, that should be even greater motivation to confess our sin and to be forgiven and to be restored to full fellowship with the Lord, to be cleansed of all unrighteousness, because he knows. And so it's silly to hide our sin, but we do that as human beings, right? I mean, we go all the way back to the garden. Adam and Eve sinned. What did they do? They hid. They hid from God. David sinned with Bathsheba. What did he do? He hid. He didn't want anybody to know. And so about a year later, God sends Nathan the prophet to him. And says, you've done wrong. You've sinned against me. That's what we typically want to do. We want to hide. But the good news is God knows. So just go to him. Be cleansed, be restored to the freedom that he offers in our lives when we trust him. This whole hemming in or going before and going behind, it was a phrase that was used in Israel to guard valuable jewelry. And so it gives us that picture of how God cares for us. Again, he doesn't use all his knowledge of us, our heart, our, our minds, our, our thoughts, our attitudes. He wants us to live life and to live it abundantly. Those are the words of Jesus. And then God knows your future. He knows what you can handle. He knows what is before us. God designed you 
from the inside out. In fact, that comes up in one of the sections in Psalm 139, that he knit us together in our mother's wombs. He designed us. He created us in his image. And so he knows what we are capable of and what we can handle and what we cannot handle. And I believe in his protection of us and his omniscience of us that he will not give us more than we can handle. That he is faithful to give us a way of escape, whether it is sin and we need to take the way of righteousness or whether it is dealing with relationships, dealing with circumstances at work, dealing with parenting issues, all kinds of things that he is faithful to take care of us and that he knows us so well that he knows what we are capable of, that he will not give us more than we can handle as we trust him for his sustaining grace to be sufficient, as we find his strength to carry on, as we find his comfort, as we find his healing, and he redeems us to be able to move about freely without all the barriers that come. I think in practical senses, he, in a practical sense, he, he won't give us a, a child that's too difficult to raise or a spouse that's too lonely and too discouraged or uh, a school class that is too full of exams and papers that we cannot handle. He knows what we are capable of, and especially when we turn to him as the source of our strength. The Lord goes before us. Uh, I love the story of Amy Carmichael, the um, Irish woman who ended up, after hearing Hudson Taylor, ended up going to India, cross-cultural ministry, late 1800s, early 1900s. I think she actually died in the 1950s. And um, she uh, had a ministry in India. She had an orphanage, basically. Uh, she had a ministry of rescuing uh, people in forced prostitution, what we would call sex trafficking today. And uh, to tell a story from her childhood, she had uh, prayed that the Lord would give her blue eyes. She had brown eyes. And, uh, and she knew that you could ask the Lord and, and you would ask in faith and that he would answer your prayer. And so she would pray and pray and pray and she'd go to sleep and then she'd get up the next morning and check the mirror. She still had brown eyes. And, uh, and she just wanted, you know, what's going on, Lord? Uh, I prayed and, and I really want uh, blue eyes. And, and the Lord never gave her blue eyes. But when she was in India... And, and she was going into these temples and even brothels to rescue women, to build relationships. She would put on traditional Indian garb and she would darken her skin by dyeing it with coffee grounds and she would look in the mirror and see brown eyes. If she had been blue eyes, she would have been given away in that culture and never able to go. God knew what was coming up in her life. And he did what was best for her, her entire life, that she might best serve him. I think it's an incredible thing that the one who knows us best loves us most. That's my takeaway, especially from verse 5. But I just see that throughout David's heartbeat and through his passion as he looks at the majesty of God, that the one who knows us best loves us most 
David has detailed using human terms some ways in which God knows us and what that means for our lives. And, and, and so the question remains after hearing all of that, how are we going to respond? How did David respond? Well, let's look at verse 6. We're given the freedom to respond to God is what we see in verse 6. God's self-revelation of his omniscience reveals God's relationship with each individual. Christianity at its heart is built on relationship, right, with Jesus Christ. We always say it's a relationship, not a religion. And so here we get a much clearer picture of what that relationship is like, that we are fully known and fully loved. God's self-revelation reveals that we matter to him, that he does love us. David responds to this truth, I think, with just an audible gasp. He praises God in verse 6. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. What's going to be your response or mine? This word wonderful, it means surpassing or extraordinary. David says, I can't even wrap my mind around how well you know me. And that knowing me that well, you still care for me. I praise you. So I challenge you this week to be fully aware of God's presence with you. We know all the truths about he is always with us, never leave us, never forsake us. But embrace that. Know that he knows exactly what you're going through and talk to him about it. Talk more freely in prayer, more honestly. Be vulnerable with God because he already knows everything. And, and turn to him for strength, knowing that he has put you in the best place to serve him in the best way. It gives us a greater confidence that he is guiding us. He is transforming us toward Christ-likeness so that we can respond like the Apostle Paul, oh, the depth of the riches and of wisdom and knowledge of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the sovereign one, and you are God who knows us inside and out. You care deeply for us. And we thank you that you've given us all sorts of things in terms of community and friendships, in terms of spiritual blessings and salvation. But we thank you most of all that you've given us yourself and that you care deeply for us. And we thank you for revealing yourself in greater ways in Scripture like this, that we might be drawn to worship you, to cling to you, to love you. And we ask for the grace to walk with you with a fresh appreciation of who you are. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.
Thank you for being with us today. Have a great week.